Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. A review of Virgin Voyages Valiant Lady this week. Also, staff writer Richard Sims is standing by with Cruise News. Kind of doing things a little bit backwards this week. Uh, I was over in Aruba on Thursday, so we couldn't link up to record So we recorded yesterday for this morning's show. Having said that, jumping straight to Richard. Hey, buddy. Hey, Doug. So Carnival announced a big change to their drink package. One of the questions we're asked about the most often is whether people should get a drink package. And there are a lot of different ways of figuring out, you know, like what the value is to any individual person. For me personally, it's always about not getting a bill at the end of the sailing. That's like I will never sail without a drink package unless I'm forced to for that very reason. But for a lot of people, they literally do the math. They're like, okay, if I have three Tito and talks a day plus two espressos and a glass of wine with dinner, it'll come out even. That's way too much work for me. But anyway, here's a new bit of math to throw into this equation. So this week, Carnival announced that they'd be boosting the price of the drink package by $10 a day on cruises of five days or less. So for the short cruises. Now, it's really important to note, this is only on cruises of five days or less. You know, like if you're going on a week-long cruise, which most people do, or at least a lot of people do, um, the, the the drink package is not changing, at least as of now. The price went from $59.95 to $69.95 per person per day if you buy the package in advance. 
um, which is obviously a great way to save money. Um, if you're one of those people who waits until they get on board to decide to do it, it's also a $10 increase, but it's from $64.95 a day to $74.95 a day. And no matter whether you buy before or after, one thing that's kind of important to note, John Field, the brand ambassador, when he was announcing this, said that um, you would not be able to do it by calling in between October 9th, which is when the new pre- when the new price goes into effect for sailings as after December, from October 9th until, until early December, you will not be able to go online and order. Or, I mean, you will not be able to order it over the phone. You have to go on your cruise planner after you've booked, go on the site and book it there. This is a little bit weird to me because w- the reason he said that this is happening is that they are basically, um, you know, they, they've been working on the website for a while. They're updating it and revamping it. And so he said that that's why you can't do it. Now, that was weird to me. Like, you would think that you would not want to send everybody to the website to buy the drink package if that was the case. But he said, yes, you cannot go um, uh, you cannot call to book it. You have to go online to the cruise manager and book it through there. Also, when looking at these prices, don't forget that does not include the 18% gratuity. It's one of those things I hate. Like, just tell me the price. You know, don't be like $69.95 plus 18% gratuity. Just do the math for me. Tell me how much it's going to cost flat out every single day. So Royal Caribbean has named its next cruise ship. Man, they're just pumping them out here, aren't they? They all are. And it's interesting because as we are seeing, you know, more ships and bigger ships come out, we're also seeing a lot of ports saying, okay, enough. You know, you're sending six gigantic ships here a week. We're going to cut back on the amount of uh, of passengers that can get off the ship now. And I, I'm wondering if we're going to reach a point where the cruise lines are not doing themselves any favor by building up such a massive inventory and that they can sort of focus on what they have. But in any case, Royal Caribbean, um, you know, they have made a lot of news lately with Icon of the Seas, which is getting ready to come out and has, you know, uh, you constantly see these stories where they run a big picture of Icon and say, is this ship too big? Well, apparently not, because there's another ship coming out that's just as big. It's the Star of the Seas. It'll be their second Icon class ship, and it's going to debut in the summer of 2025. We don't know a lot about it, but we can assume that it will be very, very similar in most regards to Icon of the Seas, because that tends to be how ships work within a particular class. Is you know, like all the breakaway class ships for Norwegian are pretty much the same. Um, you might see some tweaks. You might see a new concept introduced because they like to have get the press that a new concept introduces. But otherwise it'll probably be very similar to Icon. And Norwegian has some very good news for solo cruisers. This is really exciting for people like me who cruise solo. So Norwegian has been a forerunner when it comes to the way they treat solo cruisers. They rolled out those studio staterooms, which are one person only. They're small, you know, they're, they're like a very, very small studio apartment in Manhattan. Um, and at the same time, they introduced the studio lounge in which all of the people staying in those staterooms could hang out and meet people, plan dinners, whatever. It really was kind of revolutionary at the time that they rolled it out. And since then, we've seen some ships starting to do more for solos, but nobody has done as much as Norwegian. Um, But if there's one complaint, it's that the studios are, you know, they're inside cabins. Now, if you're like me, you want a balcony. I, I don't want a cruise without a balcony. And Norwegian is now looking at this and they're seeing how much of an explosion there's been 
in um, people wanting to do solo adventures over the last couple of years. So they're they're introducing a thousand cabins across the fleet. Now this is not they are putting new cabins in. This is they are reclassifying some cabins, and they will be in all kinds of categories. They will be inside, ocean view, and balcony. Because remember, only the newer, bigger ships have anything in the way of solos. They have the studio cabins. Everything else, like if you want to go on, say, the Norwegian Gem, they do not have solo cabins, but they will now because they will take some of their cabins in whatever category and make them solo. The interesting thing will be what these cost. Traditionally, as a solo cruiser, if you are sailing in, say, a balcony cabin, you wind up paying what's called the single supplement, which basically means you pay twice. You pay as if you were, um, as if you were traveling with two people. You know, when you see, when you go online and you book something and it says five ninety nine, that is usually per person. So if you are a single traveler, you pay five ninety nine twice. Norwegian is saying that these will be cheaper than would be if you were paying twice. They don't say how much cheaper, and that's what I'm really going to be interested in seeing, and we'll report on down the line once these start rolling out. But it's really, you know, it's it's exciting either way because I mean, if I'm gonna, if I'm a solo traveler, and they've seen Norwegian has seen in their own research that there's been a lot of people coming to them for solo trips and not just booking solo cabins. There are people like me who travel solo but take a balcony, and it'll be interesting to see over time, you know, how much of a discount those passengers get and how much this boosts their solo traffic, which is already high. There's, there's, it's, it's kind of exciting. I'm really looking forward to seeing how this works and if other cruise lines, you know, usually once one cruise line introduces something, the others all jump on board. So I'm hoping that this kind of catches because, you know, it'd be great to be able to book a solo cabin on Carnival, although I don't see that happening anytime soon, given that they are such a family forward um, enterprise. Yeah, for sure. It was our second NCL story for the week. Norwegian also announced this week that they would be doing away with what are known as their spa categories. So um, on on many Norwegian ships, if not most or all, if you book, say, a spa category balcony, what that means is you are booking a balcony cabin that comes with, included in the price, access to the thermal spa. They are doing away with that. They are no longer going to have staterooms. And this includes in the Haven, where when you book, you get access to the thermal spa. Anyone and everyone who wants access to the thermal spa will now have to purchase that separately. Um, some people think this is not a big deal that, you know, that you can probably book a balcony, a regular balcony, and then add on the price of a, uh, of the thermal spa. And it'd be about the same price as you would pay for, you know, a balcony that came with it included right now on a typical week long cruise, the cost of the thermal spa runs about $299 for a week. What I'm going to be keeping an eye on here is as they roll this plan out and they basically stop stop including the thermal spa with um, a package, you know, as, when you buy like a thermal spa suite, which you will no longer be able to do, do they also boost the price of the thermal spa? The reason that Norwegian says they're doing this is that it will create sort of a more democratic approach toward the availability of the thermal spa because, you know, they only sell a limited number of passes to the thermal spa. And right now, a certain number of those passes are taken up by people who get it included with their fare because they booked a spa balcony or a spa haven or whatever. So they're saying that by taking that away from there, 
it will sort of open up more space for people in other categories, you know, whether it's inside, outside, whatever, they will be able to have better access to purchasing the spa pass. Like I said, my two questions are, do the prices of the rooms that were formerly categorized as spa balconies go down? And I assume they will because they will now just be classified as, you know, balcony or inside or whatever. Nothing will be separating them. But the real question is whether the actual price to purchase access to the thermal spa increases. Did I see you answering someone on Facebook or one of the platforms? They were asking this question and you said you priced it out. Yeah, and it's it's a little bit hard to price right now because okay. um, I don't think anything has changed. You know, like when I, I I checked with a friend of mine who who was looking at the pricing a month ago, and the pricing a month ago on access to the thermal spa was the same as it is now. So you know, the real question will be like two months down the line as we move forward with this. Um, will Norwegian boost the price? And I assume that the decision there will be made based on how well the thermal spa sells. Now, I don't think there's any question of whether or not they will sell out the thermal spa because it's very popular. You know, people love the thermal spa. And as we all know, it's the rule of supply and demand. If they find that they are easily selling out at $299, you can bet that that price will definitely go up. And one more story out of NCL. This one is fascinating to me. Um, this is bad news for folks who like to plan ahead and maybe were really looking forward to their Norwegian cruises in 2025. If those cruises were booked on either Prima or Escape, bad news, you've been canceled. Um, the cruise line sent out a letter to travel partners and people who were booked saying that cruises in January February and March of 2025, again, not 2024, but 2025, have been canceled um, for both the Escape and the Prima. We don't know where either ship will end up. They just said that it was full because they were being, um, they, were, they were doing some reconfiguring of where ships were going to be. Um, but we had a fair amount of speculation, including from some industry folks that we kind of know and trust that are suggesting maybe they're going to swap, swap the two ships. And that's why the dates, um, are the same. You know, at first when it was just Prima, when I heard that Prima was canceled for three months, I thought, oh, they've got some kind of charter. But then when Escape was booked for the exact same time, it sort of makes sense that they might be swapping these two ships. The real bummer is that, you know, some of the sailings that were canceled, they're like 14-day trips. And those are the kind of things that people plan way in advance. They book in advance because it takes a lot of planning for a normal person to take like 14 days off and, you know, make all your travel arrangements and, you know, dog sitting arrangements or whatever. So they book them really far in advance. It gives them time to save for it. But now to have it canceled, even this far in advance, it's got to be kind of a bummer, <laughs> you know, like, like, wow, I had this dream bucket list uh, cruise booked and it is history. So I'm very sorry to them. Yeah. And meanwhile, a lot more people will be able to watch Cruise Radio News every morning on Holland America Line. That is completely right, Doug, because as of now, the line has officially installed Starlink on half of their fleet. Um, so far, it's been successfully implemented on Koningsdam, which was the very first ship to receive it. And since then, they've added it to the Osterdam, the Volendam, the Westerdam, the Zandam, and the Zoiderdam. And forgive me if I'm mispronouncing those. I'm sure someone in the audience will let me know they always do. Um, 
the rest of the fleet is expected to have the high-speed internet installed by mid-December. And we're seeing this across all of the fleets. They're all slowly but surely moving toward um, uh, Starlink. Um, God help us if something happens and the Starlink system goes down because every cruise ship in the world will basically be lost at sea. Uh, but right now, uh, the the fleet is moving forward with Holland America and getting the Starlink installed as quickly as possible. It was good to see Starlink on Venezia. I uh, saw those dishes out there by the pool, and I knew it was. I knew they probably had it because my uploads for the videos were super super fast. Like you know, I wouldn't say studio fast, but not taking three hours like they normally do on a ship. I would say more like thirty <laughs> to forty five minutes. So uh, very impressive. I'm loving this Starlink at sea here. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Celebrity Cruises, their new ship just reached a major milestone. Anyone who's been tracking the progress of Celebrity Ascent will be happy to hear that the ship aced her sea trials. Uh, that's basically where they take the ship out in the open waters and let her rip. They, you know, test all of the things that need to be testing, all the critical systems to make sure they're operating the way they're supposed to. And they did. So now it's really just kind of a hop, skip, and a jump across the pond for her to begin sailing out of Fort Lauderdale at the end of the year. In the spring of 2024, the ship will reposition over to Europe, and then it'll come back to Fort Lauderdale in the fall of 2024. So, you know, we will get to see, we will get to experience her here out of Fort Lauderdale for a while, then she'll go over to Europe and kind of make her way around there before coming back. So that's very exciting. You know, again, this is their latest step in the Edge series, which has been wildly popular and successful for them. So it'll be kind of cool to see, you know, the next stage is where they start putting all the bells and whistles on and, you know, get the get the, get the rooms ready. And hopefully we will start hearing more about some of the amenities that are going to be on board and what will be different from the previous ships in the class. And let's end with a story about a couple who was uh, probably living a lot of people's dreams. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about living at sea, you know, um, whether it's uh, on the three-year cruise or just retiring to a cruise ship. And look, Jessica and Marty Anson are currently living the dream. They uh, live in Brisbane in Australia, and they have embarked on a two years of back-to-back -back cruising. They've booked 51 straight cruises and they will be, um, you know, they will be joining the start of the Australian cruise industry, which has been slower to get started than um, than we have experienced. And I, I don't remember, do you remember what ship they're doing this on? It's, I feel like it's a princess ship. I Maybe think it was, coral was it a coral diamond or coral princess? One of those. I think it's Coral. Okay. I think it's Coral Princess. I just think it's very cool. I often am asked, would you like to live on a cruise ship or would you like to work on a cruise ship? And I always say no, because as appealing as the idea seems at first, you know, cruising is special because I only get to do it, you know, a certain number of times a year. I think if I lived on a ship, it wouldn't be that. It would just be, you know, it'd be my home. And then I don't know, would I come to Woodstock for vacation? <laughs> I don't know. Would you Would you want to do that? No. Not live. Absolutely not. I, I'm what's good the, for about the most you could. Yeah, I was going to say I could probably do 30 max. I'm good with that, probably. See, what I want to do is I want to do a super long cruise, but I don't want to go somewhere to get on it. <laughs> I want it to come to New York, leave from here and go, you know, I, I, sure, let's do 30 days and and go to cool places and then come back to New York. I hate that so many of the places I want to go, you know, you have to actually fly to 
Barcelona or somewhere like that to get on the ship and begin your cruise. I want to start it here and end it here, please. All right, staff writer Richard Sims coming at us today from his brand new iPhone 15. You like it so far? Um, I don't know yet. We'll talk. Ask me again next week when we do the news and I'll let you know. Right now, I'm still getting used to it. More tech talk next week. Thanks, Richard. (laughs) Thanks, Doug. Have a question or a comment for the show? Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You're listening to Cruise Radio, America's trusted voice of the cruise industry. So Haley and her husband just returned from a seven-night cruise on Virgin Voyages' Valiant Lady. It left from Barcelona. It was a med cruise, part of their French Days and Ibiza Nights itinerary. Haley joins us on the line. Hey, Haley. Hey, Doug. How are you? Before we get to the ship itself, though, as we always do, we'll take a little bit of a step back here and get some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to do this seven-nighter over in the Med on Virgin Voyages? So, my husband and I always like to cruise in August for our anniversary. It was our 11th year uh, wedding anniversary. So, you know, I knew that we were going to plan something. It's it's most often a cruise. So, it's funny, though, because, um, well, number one, we wanted to cruise out of Europe because we had only done it once before out of Venice. Um, so, you know, Barcelona was one of those that has a lot of offerings. Um, and it was funny because I had just booked the Scarlet Lady probably a couple months before I booked this cruise and I booked it about a year out. Um, but I'm kind of a cruise nerd. So I'm, you know, watching all the YouTube videos. I'm, you know, hearing all, all the, you know, talk about Virgin. So I actually booked my second virgin cruise before i even did the first one so um this was our second one we had done the uh, last one on the scarlet lady back in march um so yeah that's kind of what brought us to barcelona and the valiant lady and you're like you're in michigan right yeah yeah so So, summer break i'm a teacher so So nice time to cruise without kids. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I guess you picked the the right the right cruise line too to cruise without kids as well, (laughs) for sure. Uh, So you make your way over to Barcelona. Any pre cruise time there before you boarded? Yeah, so we came in. We flew out like a Friday evening. The cruise departed on Sunday, so you know you get in like you know nine thirty a.m. something like that. Um, Made it through customs, all that. And we just checked in at our hotel and just went and started, kind of just started to walk around. We didn't, we knew that we'd probably be jet lagged that day. So, um, and I wanted to be fresh for the cruise the next day. So we didn't really go in with too many plans. We just, um, we walked from like our hotel. We stayed in the, um, the Gothic quarter there. Um, and it was about like a 30 minute walk to the La Sagrada Familia. 
So, you know, everybody tells you to go there, right? So we went there. Um, we were going to go inside, but you had to have like advanced tickets, stopped at a little cafe. And then we went back to our hotel and just took it easy by the pool. Um, and I think we were in bed by eight o'clock that because that's about all I could do after that long travel day. Have you been to Europe a few times before prior to this? Just once before back in 2018, we sailed um, a World Caribbean cruise out of Venice. Um, so yeah, this was my only, only my, our second time in Europe. Um, and it was kind of the same situation then too, right. Where you get in like in the morning and you kind of just have to go, go, go. And I remember being kind of miserable the middle of the day, (laughs) right. Once that, that fatigue hit. So yeah, we kind of laid low and then we did a little bit more on the way back once we got, um, we stayed a night after the cruise in Barcelona as well. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get. I was going to ask you, like, how do you deal with the jet lag? But I guess you just have to kind of suck it up, right? You kind of you hit the ground running, you wear yourself out and you sleep good and wake up fresh the next day. Yeah. And honestly, that worked. We Mm -hmm. were good for the next day. So that was nice. Coming back was a little tougher. (laughs) Oh, yeah, always is. So you uh, make your way to the Barcelona cruise terminal to embark Valiant Lady. How was the embarkation process? Okay, I wrote a note down and literally it says easiest ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot tell you how easy this was. I mean, we got there and it was nice because, I mean, not that this really had anything to do with embarkation, but it was just nice that there was like a coffee shop, like right there across from the, um, you know, the area where you line up for, for Virgin at their terminal. And, you know, we got out of the taxi, we dropped off our luggage. Um, it was too early to get in line. So we went and got a coffee. Um, you know, hung out at the little coffee shop when we saw people starting to line up, um, cause we had priority boarding with the splash of romance package. Um, we went and lined up, uh, met very weirdly met, I mean, nice, but met a couple from the city that we used to live in who are also like fellow seekers. So it was just kind of like this weird, you know, like happenstance of that happening in Barcelona. Right. And then, um, chatted with them. Then they just like walked us on board. And previously when I sailed out of Miami, there was like a holding area once you, you know, kind of, once they started bringing you in and then you were held there and then you were put on from boarding groups. And probably just because we had the splash of romance package, like you, we just didn't do any of that. And we literally just walked on the ship. It was so, so convenient. So with this, uh, the taste of romance package, so it actually, it starts before you board the ship then, or I guess it starts right when you board the ship, I should say, like as far as embarkation. Yeah, it's that, yep. That, um, uh, early embarkation, which is really, you know, kind of a big, big deal on Virgin because, Mm -hmm. you know, people haven't heard, like they have, everything is done through the app. So, and you can't reserve a lot of the shows until you're connected to the ship's Wi-Fi. So it's kind of, and their shows are very popular, you know, and if you don't book them in that first day or so, um, you know, sometimes you'll, you know, you'll have to just kind of show up to see if you get into a show. So if you want to guarantee that, you know, you've got a spot, um, it's good to get in there, make sure your dinner reservations are, you know, confirmed and all that. So we just like beelined it to the pool, sat by, by the pool. There was like no one there. And then we just did all of those things on our phone. So it was really nice way to get it started. Now, you said you've sailed Scarlet Lady before. Uh, what were your first impressions of this ship? Or is it an exact carbon copy? It, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much a carbon copy. There's like one spot in one hallway that it, on Scarlet Lady has, you know, people, if you Google, you've probably seen pictures of like people sitting on those swings and they mm. say like live, laugh, love, something like that. And like, um, this ship didn't have that. It was just kind of a, 
a hallway with a couple benches. So that little piece was gone, that little photo opportunity. That's pretty much all it was. But I mean, yeah, everything was like, I mean, it was nice though, because I'd never experienced that before of getting on a ship that was like a carbon copy. So I knew where everything was right away. It was, you know, it was kind of nice. Yeah, those those swings can be a liability. You just ask celebrity cruisers; they they launch those uh, swings in their nightclub on Celebrity. I think it was oh. Eclipse on the uh, Solstice class, and it only took like two sailings for those to be ripped right out of the wall. Oh my god! <laughs> or out of I the ceiling, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so you make your way to yes. your stateroom eventually. Uh, what kind of stateroom did you book, and how was it throughout your seven nights? Yeah, so we got a central sea terrace. So that's, you know, you know, their uh, version of a balcony, right? And it has the uh, famous red hammock on it. Um, and the only difference that I noticed between we had the same balcony, the last ship was that this one was kind of on the corner. Uh, like it was still in the middle of the ship, but the way it was positioned, it was sort of, it's kind of weird where the hallway splits and it was kind of on a corner. So when I walked out on our balcony, we were delightfully surprised that it was a little bit bigger because of that corner. Um, and I actually texted my travel agent and said, hey, did you know that this was bigger? Was it, you know, because it wasn't any, you know, the pricing wasn't any different. Um, and she said, oh, you know, it kind of looks that way on the deck plans, but sometimes you just never know because I guess it didn't list like a square foot, you know, footage of the balcony Mm -hmm. um but that was really nice um i think one of the things they did because we had the splash splash of romance package (laughs) just cute little thing they they have like these red blankets that are in every room which are really nice to use out on the hammock you know if you've got a chillier night um and they like made it in the shape of a heart so that was on our bed um and we also met our stateroom attendant like pretty much right away which is something that usually i've noticed happens on like carnival and royal caribbean but on the first time we sailed Virgin, we didn't meet our stateroom attendant at all, like the whole cruise. And I didn't know like if that was normal for Virgin or if that just happened to be our situation. Um, but that was really nice. And, and our stateroom attendant was great throughout the whole week. Like, do you prefer to meet your attendant or could you care either way? Like, whatever. You know, I like to meet them um, just because I, I don't know, I maybe just that's just because that I've been used to for, you know, for mm-hmm. cruising all these years and that, you know, you always meet them. Right. And sure. so I felt weird not meeting them last time. So this time I really liked it. And also, like, I like to tip a little extra, too, at the end, even though, like, virgins, you know, the gratuities are paid for and they are not expected. Um, But, you know, like, just the little things that you can notice your attendant doing, I noticed that this time. And maybe it is just because of that personal connection we made at the beginning and seeing seeing him throughout the week. Um, But, yeah, I do like it. So let's talk about the dining on this seven-night cruise, and we'll start at their buffet area called the Galley. Of course, uh, not Norwegian. Virgin doesn't like to call it a buffet, but uh, so let's talk about the Galley. Yeah. So, yep, the Galley, you know, it it is a little, for people who haven't been on Virgin yet, and maybe you've just kind of heard how it is, you know, you go in the Galley and you sit down and you, you know, you use a QR code. There are physical menus, too, that you can get a hold of in there, and um you know, once you decide what you want from all the different eateries that are there, because it's kind of like a food hall setup. Um, you know, you raise your little flag and somebody comes over um, to your table and they take your order. One thing to note is just that, you know, if you can order from 
all different places. Like you can order, you know, a sandwich from the panini place and then, um, you know, fries from a different place or tacos or whatever. They're all just going to come out at different times. So especially too, if you're eating with other people, just kind of be aware of that. That's not something that, you know, me and my husband really care about. You know, if he gets his food first, he just starts eating. I start eating if I get mine for, it doesn't really matter to us, but that could be something that, you know, could be like weird for some people. Um, but the highlight for me this time from the galley kind of where I went is the salad bar, which I didn't go to last time. The salad bar is like the best variety of like fresh toppings and salad on any ship that I've ever been on. And it was so, so good. Like it was very, very different from anything I'd ever had just because I think it's like the freshness. Um, and then the dessert, same thing. I felt like, you know, Everybody knows the like cruise, the buffet desserts, right? And sometimes they're not the highest quality. Um, these are like really pretty high quality. And most of the time they had the same offerings each day, mm-hmm. um, but they had a good variety of them and they were very delicious. So those are kind of my two um, standouts, at least from what I had that week at the galley. Okay. So outside of the galley, Virgin doesn't really have a, like a main dining room per se. So talk about your dining throughout the week on the ship. Yeah, so we ate at five different restaurants, which, you know, think of it as like equivalent to specialty restaurants on other cruise lines. Um, so we ate at the um, Extra Virgin, which is our favorite, um, which is the um, Italian restaurant. And we did that on their, our first night because that was kind of like the standout from our previous cruise. Um, and funny enough, I had the steak there, which I had heard people say was better than the steak in their steakhouse, which is called the wake. Um, and I had heard a lot of people say that they thought that that steak at extra virgin was better. And like, so I decided to try it this time. And I think they're right. It was so good. It was like the best steak I had all week. Um, and I actually think, you know, we did go to the steakhouse, the wake, and I actually think that was my least favorite restaurant. Um, and we had only had it previously for brunch. So we, we were giving it a try for the first time for dinner. And I was a little underwhelmed. Not that it was bad or anything, because I think everything I had was was great. But just comparatively to the other restaurants, um, we did Pink Agave, which was their um, their Mexican restaurant. They had, you know, we tried a couple different um, cocktails from there. We had their guacamole, which is amazing. Um we did Razzle Dazzle, um, and I got the, just a shout out to anybody going on Virgin anytime soon. They got a new menu, um, and the new menu has a new secret menu, because I guess every restaurant has a secret menu, and I've never really, I knew that going in, but I never really took advantage of it. But our waiter this time at Razzle Dazzle said, oh, we have a secret menu. You want to know what's on it? And so I ended up getting this, like, blue cheeseburger, which is, like, one of the best burgers of my life. So highly recommend that. Um, and then we did Gunbei, which is their Korean barbecue. Um, and that's where, that's the only restaurant where you do sit with other people, um, that, you know, uh, like kind of more like traditional cruise dining. And they do let you know that, you know, ahead of time, because in all the other restaurants, um, you're not sitting with other people. You're just sitting with, you know, the party that you're with. Gotcha. So the secret menu. So like you, you have to say, can I see your secret menu or are you supposed to know about this? Yeah. I, so it's just one of those things, right. That people talk about on the, um, in the, the group, the Virgin groups is that their secret menu. So yeah, you just have to ask your waiter, like you just have to say, can I see the secret menu or can you tell me what's on the secret menu? 
Um, in this case, he didn't like show me a menu. He just told me what was on it because it was only like the burger. And then I think there was like one or two other things. Um, and he was like, but I would recommend the burger. So I went with that. So yeah, you just have to ask about it. Um, and like, yeah, it never really felt like I needed to ask about it because there was always something on the menus that I really wanted. And this time he offered it so that I went, oh, okay, well, what's on it? And I'm really glad that he offered because it was great. Any other food venues around the ship before we move on here? Um, a couple, Yeah, a couple others to highlight are there's a place called the Social Club, um, which is kind of like where they have all the games set up and everything. Like there's board games, there's, you know, like a ping pong tables, there's, you know, different things like that. And they have like boozy shakes there. They have um, like soft pretzels and cheese, popcorn. You can go up and get like, like different little like candies, you know, like the licorice and, you know, gummy bears and th- things like that, that on other cruise lines, right. That would be like in the sweet shop store that you'd have to pay extra for. Mm-hmm. All of that is included. Um, hot, different like hot dogs and stuff were there. Um, so that's a great spot to check out that I think some people, you know, if it's your first time might not know about that. And then another place is called the dock house and it's at the after the ship and um, they have like a little like small plate and during our cruise, and I think they're doing it all through September as well as part of their like, um, like food festival thing that they're doing. Our, our, um, sailing was like the first week that they started it. And so they were doing things called like OPA, OPA hour. And like for two hours at the dot house, you'd get like small plates of like, um, like different Greek offerings and there was baklava and a couple other different desserts and things like that. So, um, and also there's a cooler outside the dock house that has a lot of like prepackaged food. And I missed this last time, but I was like, oh, what's over here? And there was three flesh cake. And I am a huge fan. And I feel like not everybody does it justice. And they made such a great trace flesh cake. It was so amazing. So definitely I would recommend that. Now, just for clarification here, for anyone who's not familiar with Virgin, with all these dining venues you went to, they were all included with the price of your cruise? Absolutely. Yep. Every venue had like one thing on the menu that you could like pay extra to get, like, you know, the steakhouse, the wake had like a tomahawk steak that you could pay extra for, or like a seafood platter. Like, so every, you know, there was always like one offering that would be an upcharge. Um, but I mean, everything else, even like all the, um, the food offerings for the, um, room service was, was free as well. There was like a $5 charge for room service, but if you buy a drink, um, you know, like let's say you buy, even if it's a specialty coffee, they'll weigh your fee and then you're just paying, you know, for the coffee or the beer or wine or whatever it is that you ordered that you would pay for anyway. Mm -hmm. And then they would waive that charge. So that's what most people do if they order room service. How were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Yeah, sea days, I was surprised because going into it, I guess we had had a larger, like I think there was like 2,200 on the ceiling. And I guess a couple of weeks before only had like 900. So people were kind of worrying me, you know, and the group's like, oh, it's going to be so busy. It's going to be so busy. But I didn't feel like that at all. Like, I, I don't know if it was just, I did get a different vibe on this ship as far as like, like, you know, like, I don't feel like it was as, a, as much of um, 
a party atmosphere as Scarlet Lady was. And not that it was like an overwhelming party atmosphere because it wasn't, but it was just a little bit more calm and chill. So I don't know if like more people just kind of spent more time on their balconies or people were just kind of spread out a little bit, but it didn't really feel that busy. We did try to go to the pool like one day, but it wasn't a sea day. It was like the day that we went to Marseille, but, um, and it was a little busier than I thought it would be considering we were in port that day. But yeah, like things are pretty calm. Um, we did a behind the scenes tour on one of our sea days, which is an extra charge. And I thought it it was fantastic. They gave us like champagne and swag at the end of it. It was like a three, three and a half hour tour. We got to, you know, go up to the bridge. We got to go down to the um like where the garbage is. I don't even remember what the room was called, but you know, where they're sorting everything. It was their invite, you know, talk to their environmental officer. We thought that was really cool. Um, and then another thing that I did do on one of the sea days is we went to the thermal spa. Um, and so that was part of the, um, the splash of romance package was that you would get a three hour, um, visit to the thermal spa. And that was really enjoyable. They have a really, really good facility there. Yeah, we really had a great time with the loungers and just kind of, we, I think we only spent maybe like an hour and a half in there. We didn't use our full three hours, but that was great. And then another thing I took advantage of on one of the sea days was the bungee class, which mm-hmm. I had heard a lot about. And that was just a ton of fun. I've never had more fun working out before. So um, it was just one of those things I heard people talking about to try. Um, and then another thing on the sea day, so I, was, I feel like I was very active on the sea days, was I took advantage of the Squid Ink uh, tattoo parlor and I got a tattoo on board. So yeah, that was a very eventful couple of sea days that we had. So what kind of tattoo did you get? Well, I was a little cliche and got an anchor. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> like on your ankle or where'd you get it? It is. It's kind of, it's lower on my ankle, almost like on my heel, but kind of lower down. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have like a board of like just kind of generic things that they do. And they're all like one set price. And then if you want anything else, you know, then it jumps up to the next price. So a little bit more expensive, um, you know, obviously than you would if you got a tattoo you know, on land, right? But you're paying for the experience. Like I was right next to a porthole window, staring out while I was getting my tattoo. And that was a lot more um, enjoyable to help me get through the pain than it would have been on land. So the casino on board, uh, is it, what's the smoking situation like? Because when I was on board, either there was no smoking in there or it was just so well ventilated, you couldn't tell. Yeah, there's no smoking in there. Um, which is great because the manor, which is one of the venues and it's also like the night, it's used as the nightclub. Um, they often like people will line up outside the venue, you know, before shows. And so you're essentially just lined up in the casino. So if there were smoking like that, that would suck for people, you know, who, who don't like the smell or it bothers them or whatever. So that was really nice. So I do feel like I was in the casino like a few times, not not really to use it, but just standing in line outside this venue. Um, So that was nice. One thing I will note, though, and I don't think this was allowed, I think it just wasn't enforced, is I did see people vaping in a lot of, like, public areas. So you would just be, like, 
in a common area and look over and see someone vaping, which I think like, you know, I'm sure that's probably not allowed, but I think people just weren't enforcing it and it didn't really like cause a smell or, and you know what I mean? Or anything like that. So it wasn't really, I think that people probably just kind of turned a blind eye to it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but yeah, that was the only, only thing that I noticed. Um, and not a lot of people in the casino either, even when I was there, like later at night, um, it definitely didn't seem like a big gambling crowd, this cruise, because it never really seemed like there was a lot in there. Yeah, it's definitely a different vibe um, from the Caribbean to the Mediterranean, too, though, like, right, because you're in the Caribbean, you're having yeah. fun, you're, you're sun seeking, you're drinking, you're partying at night where uh, on these med itineraries, you're like, you're touring all day and just wiped out when you get back on the ship. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think I think that was de- that definitely attributed to like just a more chill vibe because I, I noticed that right away, the difference between the two itineraries. For sure. Um, did I did I skip entertainment? Oh, you know what? You did. OK, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, let's uh, let's circle back there. I'm just going to ask you, I'm going to say. Um, and how was the entertainment on this seven night cruise? Uh, so entertainment, I-, I thought it was great. Um got to see a couple of things that we kind of didn't really before. Like normally we're not really people to kind of hang out and like listen to the bands or things like that. Like we prefer going to shows more. Um, but this time I think because we had seen a couple of the shows that were on board from the last cruise and they were pretty much the same, we did spend more time kind of seeking out, just, you know, hanging out, having a drink, listening to some music. So the the Virgin band, I, I think they were called like the VV band or something that was that was on the ship was really great. And we watched them one night. Um, and it was kind of cool because, you know, we were feeling for our anniversary and they they sung our wedding song, which was Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. So that was kind of cool. Um, and they did such a great cover of that. Um, and then there was another um, another singer from South Africa. Her name was Selfie. And he played just like it was her and her acoustic guitar and she'd play in different like small spots, like at the back of the dock house, you know, or it's more like, you know, just during the day lounging, that sort of thing. Um, she was really great. She also sung our way. <laughs> she did a great job as well. Um, and then we saw the misbehave show, which from what I understand is a new show that is only on Valiant. And so that's kind of something that I'm starting to hear and see is that like each of the shows uh, or each of the ships, rather um are starting to have kind of like one show that's kind of like just on that ship to kind of differentiate um and we thought that was good it's you know virgin has like such an like obscure way of doing entertainment which like isn't for everyone but i like it so i was really entertained um and then we did the around the world with the diva um show which is like a 90 minute show um you know, with the resident drag queen on board. And that was really fun. Um, and then the ship show, which is different on each ship because the entertainment switches out, like the different acts that they have, um, which is kind of funny because we ended up seeing one of the same acts was actually on the Scar- uh, Scarlet Lady. Um, so it was our second time seeing him. Um, and just something that I noticed about the shows, like, you know, the ship show, the around the world show, like, like on the Scarlet Lady, I remember there were just like lines, like to get into, like people got there early, the shows were packed, like there was, you know, a line for people who, who were, you know, who didn't get reservations, but wanted to see if they could get in. And so on this ship, you know, we're prepared to get there, you know, 20 minutes early to get a good seat. And we'd just be standing there for like 
10, 15 minutes practically, like with just very few people in line, even like the around the world at the diva show, like they do the show multiple times per week, but you know, even the, the one that we were at, like it didn't fill up. So it's kind of interesting. So maybe kind of back to what you said before, as far as like people are tired and they're, they're out touring and like, so maybe they're just not, you know, looking to see some of the shows as much as they would be maybe on other itineraries. And speaking of out touring, this is a French days and Ibiza nights itinerary. So talk about the ports of call you hit and then just move to the next one. Yeah. So we started with Marseille. They actually, something happened with their tour operator. We were supposed to do a kayaking tour. Um, and like a couple of days before we, um, we sailed, we got an email saying it was canceled. And then of course, you know, at that point, all the things you want to do already, um, are all booked up. So we just made the best of it and ended up just kind of going in with not really a plan. And we just, um, there was like free shuttles that would take you from the port to the city center. Um, so we just walked around, found this little called La Petite train, that I had seen um, someone else talk about in like a YouTube video. So I was like, well, let's go find this. And it takes you to Notre Dame, the Notre Dame Cathedral. So, you know, we went up there, we took pictures, did that thing. Um, we got some crates and then, you know, we went back on board. And that was the day that we, we, I don't think we needed to be back until like 8 p.m. And we were back by like two. So that was the day that we were like, well, let's just go chill by the pool. Um, and I was surprised a lot of people came back um, early as well because the pool was pretty busy. So um, I thought that was kind of interesting. So then the next day um, we went to Cannes and we booked a food tour through TripAdvisor. So it wasn't through the uh, the cruise line. And that was awesome. We got to, um, uh, you know, just walk around, taste different different things. You know, like we started with croissants. We got gelato at one point, um, a couple of different uh, foods that now I'm blanking on the names of, but things that I hadn't tried before that were, you know, um, uh, specific to that area. Um, and then we got to go to where they have the film festival, like the iconic red stairs and take pictures there. My husband's a really big movie buff. So that was a really exciting thing. Um, and then we just like walked along at the beach and then made our way back. Um, and then the third port was Palma, Palma de Mallorca, and that was one of our first overnights. So basically we had a sea day during the day, and then I think we docked at like 6 p.m. And we had plans to get off the ship and like go out, just kind of just go find some food, right? Go out to dinner, walk around, um, just really casual. And that day I think was just, it was like, like you said, right. It's just so busy. You're out, you're touring. And I, we ended up just staying and getting like food, um, and brought food back to our room and like watched movies in our cabin because we were like so tired. We were just mm-hmm. so like, we just needed a break. Um, so then the next day though, we did have a tour book through the cruise line and, um, it was a bike tour, um, a little tougher than I think the description said because there is a few folks on our tour who just like we're having a hard time. Um, but we did do um like an ice cream stop. We stopped at the beach for, you know, I, I wish see that was the thing, right? They they said it was like a bike and beach tour and it was like an hour at the beach and then like 
three hours biking. So <laughs> it would have been nicer if it was like a little bit more beach and less biking. Um, cause it was really hot that day. So that was mostly why it was, it was more challenging. Um, and then the next day was Ibiza and it was the same thing where you're sailing through the day that acts as like your sea day. And then in the evening, you have an overnight. So a lot of people went out and did the whole, you know, club scene and all that. I I cannot hang. So <laughs> we opted to just go walk around. We My goal was just to find some paella and some sangria. So that's what we did. We found like a little um, cafe, like right along the water, did that, hopped back on board. Um, and then the next day we did uh, a beach club, the Tanit Beach Club. Um, and just a little aside for um, Ibiza is I would recommend downloading the taxi, whatever the taxi app is, like you can Google it and figure it out. Cause I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, but that, but there, like, you can't just like hail a taxi, like you have to put in for it. So you would have to have someone like at the beat club, put a taxi in for you. Um, which they were fine to do that. But then there was a little bit of confusion where then someone accidentally took our taxi and then we had to like, go get someone else to do it. So it just would have been easier if we could have just done it on our own mm-hmm. um, because they, they won't just pick you up. Like it's almost like Uber. So, you know, that you have to call them and they're only going to pick up somebody who, who they're, you know, they're called to. So, mm-hmm. um, but that was really nice. And yeah, I think I got through all of them. So Nice. Yeah, it was it was great though. Busy but great. Yeah, it sounds like it. So you, you make your way back to Barcelona. How was your debark process? Again, easiest ever. <laughs> like they didn't look at anything. Like I'm so used to, you know, when you come back, you know, you've gone to foreign courts, right? Well, it's all in the EU. So when we got back, we just walked, got our luggage and walked out of the terminal and didn't have to talk or nobody looked at any any sort of documents or anything. And we were like in the taxi line by 9.50 in the morning. And then that was really organized. They had a line. It took us like two minutes to get through. And then we were well on our way and still had, you know, that last day in Barcelona to explore before we flew home. Very cool. So any first time tips to offer someone sailing Virgin Voyages in the Med? Yeah, I would say definitely get the balcony because you want the hammock. And especially if you're in the med, the views are really amazing. And being able to sit down in your balcony and, and watch, you know, watch the the land as you're coming up into port and all that. I would also recommend the um, doing, I didn't mention this before, but doing the grog walk, which is kind of like their like a pub crawl so if you are into, into that kind of thing it's just a great way to meet people at the it's the first or second night of the cruise we we've done it twice now on the first night and just super fun a great way to meet people and then they bring you to the pj party because the first night of the cruise they always have a pj party and that was so much fun so i would highly recommend looking back what was your biggest highlight of the cruise i have two i think the bridge tour because i'm just super nerdy and i just find all that really interesting so that was really cool and then the other and that was part of the the behind the scenes tour and then also you know they had the scarlet night which i didn't really mention but this time i was like okay i see people like dancing in the pool in their clothes like i'm gonna do that right like i did i was a little too shy to do that last time but this time like um you know we had made a couple friends and so we were hanging out with them and I jumped in the pool in my clothes and 
it was just so much fun. (laughs) So it was nice to kind of just, so I would, you know, just say like, get out there and and try something new. Cause yeah, that was definitely a highlight for her. Have you been in a thermal suite on any, any other cruise line aside from Virgin? You know, I have, I booked a um, spa, like one of the spa cabins on Mm -hmm. Carnival. Um, and I was on the Carnival Horizon and their thermal, I would say they're, they're pretty comparable as far as the amenities, but I will say, I think I liked Carnival's a little bit more just because like on Virgin, they have, um, like they do have the heated tile that you can lay on, mm-hmm. but it was kind of just like elevated depth almost yep. like they're like elevated platforms. Whereas on Carnival, you get those nice little loungers. Yeah. So I did miss the loungers, but that was really the only difference as far as like the amenities in there. Okay. Well, in closing here, Haley, your final thoughts of Valiant Lady. I loved it. It's an amazing ship and I am back on Valiant Lady in March and I'm excited. So yeah, all good things over here. Very good. We've been talking with Haley about her seven night med cruise on Valiant Lady, the French days and Ibiza nights itinerary. Haley, as always, great talking to you. And uh, give us a ring when you sail again. Yay. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Doug. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.